welcome to the Wire to Wire podcast. As always, it's me, your host Yusuf. We have a lot of things to discuss, and this episode is going to be a real interesting one. I also have my regular guest Jordan joining me later on in the show. So without further ado, let's just get right to it. So Jordan, welcome to the Wire to Wire podcast. Yes, good to be back, man. It's always fun to hop on the Wire to Wire pod. It's good having you on, bro. It's about that time again. The playoffs is right around the corner. Playoffs with no LeBron? Say it ain't so. (laughs) He's entering year 20, bro. So it's kind of preparing for that retirement. Because one day, you know, he will have to retire and leave the league. We're going to have to get used to seeing it. So this will... So it's like a little teaser, you know, for us to get used to. Exactly. It's, it's, It's a preview, yeah, of what... Of what may come, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the energy uh, that we had coming into the season when we talked ball, and now it's like, uh, it's this is really sweet. This has been a somber year, bro. <laughs> Tell me, like, hey. The moment they brought Westbrook in, the writing was on the wall. Like, there was no, there there wasn't a championship in sight. Yeah, that's true. And, and then uh, the whole debacle with uh, Frank Vogel, Lakers social media firing him before the organization fires him, so. That's crazy, and that doesn't paint a good picture for other coaches wanting to take on the job either. No, it doesn't. This is not – the whole organization is in shambles. And you know what I think it is? I think there was just so many layers of what went wrong with their season. So it started with the whole Westbrook thing, right? Yeah. And, you know, from a basketball standpoint, I thought, you know, LeBron was looking to play off the ball more and let Westbrook do his thing. But I also think there was some kind of ulterior motive that, you know, since KD is playing with his former teammate Kyrie, mm. LeBron kind of wanted to troll KD and say, look, you couldn't win with him. I'm going to show you that I can win with this uh, guy. Right? I mean, so chess. A little bit, like a little bit of psychological war- warfare yeah. to kind of troll him, right? Yeah. And I think that backfired heavy and he learned. <laughs> he learned in one year what it took KD many years to learn. Yeah, that's funny. And then... That and then on top of that, there's no accountability in the organization. Like, I don't believe Jeannie Bus really knows what she's doing, to be mm-hmm. honest. I don't know why people don't call her out on it. She doesn't know what she's doing. I think Rob Palenka is he's a company man. He's just going with the flow, you know. He doesn't actually have a vision for how he sees the team and where he wants to take the team to. And then Anthony Davis, he's made a glass. Yeah, so he that's, can't... it'll be very interesting how they approach the offseason. Yeah, and Westbrook is delusional like he really believes that the coach had something personal against him it can't just be that you're missing layups you're missing layups and you're missing dunks and you couldn't finish around the basket you're a turnover machine you couldn't hit mid-range you couldn't hit three-point shots like you just were not good this year but it's because but the coach doesn't like you okay (laughs) yeah that's crazy that's crazy yeah it's I, I didn't like how he uh, went about answering that question in the press conference because it's just like, man, you're just finding excuses. Or you're just finding ways to just, like, talk about what really happened, you know? So just say it how it is and, and move on, you know? What happened happened. There's no one to blame. If you're going to blame anyone, blame yourself. And he's saying you just had a down year and then come back harder the next. The same way he played this season is the same way he played in OKC. Houston in Washington like he always played the same way yeah I agree I agree he did always play the same way and 
who knows, right? Going into the next season, if he comes back to the Lakers, if he ends up somewhere else, I don't know how they'll be able to trade him or, or build up his trade value. Because remember, my prediction going into the season was maybe he the Lakers get off to a good start and then they're able to eventually build up his trade value and then leverage it for a good trade at the trade deadline, which usually is the case when LeBron's able to figure it out halfway through the season and turn around his team and make that playoff run. Yeah, but I think, I mean, they're saying that the Hornets would be looking to trade him. So, I mean, if you can unload Hayward's contract and then maybe throw in a couple of, like, additional pieces for Westbrook, I think both teams get what they want. The Lakers will get guys who can space the floor. The Hornets will get someone who can sell jerseys, sell out sell out arenas. Yeah. And he'll put up numbers. He'll be a big fish in a small pond how he likes it, right? But how is that going to work with LaMelo Ball being there now? It won't work. Well, I mean, I I hope Jordan, I know he hasn't been the best uh, uh, GM of his team, but hopefully he makes a good decision and not take that bait to take on Westbrook, even though it might be a good business decision, but it'll be a terrible basketball decision. But I think Jordan will do it. I think a lot of people in the sports world, they fell in love with the way how hard Westbrook plays and that intensity and that passion. And I and I think that's really like Jordan's going to look at that and then he's going to be blinded by that so much. And it's going to completely take away from the fact that this guy is just not a high IQ player and he's on the de- decline of his career. Yeah, it's sad to see. Who would have thought? I mean, he used to be Mr. Triple-Double, right? And even last year in Washington, like he showed glimpses of still having the ability to be an, an all-around asset to a team, but I don't know what it was. It's really hard when you're playing against playing with LeBron to be effective. We see a lot of people not have the most success when they have to play beside LeBron. Yeah, yeah he definitely requires you to change your game up. And I think that whole organization, like everyone has to look at themselves in the mirror. Like I was, I was – Seeing what Anthony Davis said, he's like, you know, I have to have a talk with LeBron and see what changed from the bubble in 2020 until now in terms of, you know, that hunger for championships. I mean, a lot has changed, you know, like your health <laughs> for one, age, yeah. yeah, the construct of the team. A lot has changed. You know, it is what it is. They got a long, they got a long off season, but, you know, at least there'll be some good playoff games that they can watch. Yeah, That's- yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's uh, what... Nice seg- segue there. I like, like how you did that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's that podcast experience. Bro. <laughs> so, what is your um? What are your thoughts on you know the playoffs are right around the corner? So, what are your thoughts on you know going into it? Yeah, so we've had a, a couple of these playing games to start. I guess we can consider that playoffs play in. But uh, as I see it, I feel like I'm not sure who wins the Atlanta and the Cavs game. I like to say Atlanta. And then the other side in the West, we have the Pelicans versus the Clippers. I'd like to say the Clippers, but that, that again is a is a toss up. Um, so if we want to start in the East, we're moving the eighth seed. My favorite coming out the East, as I mentioned throughout this whole season, is the Bucks. Uh, Giannis being the best player in the NBA in my eyes, uh, and him having that championship exposure and experience. Uh, and getting that chip off his shoulder last season. I think he comes into this playoffs with that mentality to just dominate like he did last year and throughout the season. Um, I believe Giannis is going to be 
one of those players that takes that next step and changes the conversation to now it's not like, uh, maybe Kevin Durant, maybe someone else is the best player. No, it's Giannis. Giannis is the best player in the NBA. I think they will easily get through the Bulls. Bulls had a great season. Um, unfortunately for their injuries, it really took a toll on them to finish off the season. You saw them drop from the number one seed to where are they now, the sixth seed. Yeah, uh, I can I can see that game, that series going five, if anything, or it might be a sweep. Um, if DeRozan has one of those games, or Zach Levine has one of those games where they both put up thirty or forty, um, and they can get a win or two, that's that's a possibility for sure. Um, but I don't know how they how they stop Giannis in that series. Uh, and then going from that, I guess Giannis would have to go to Brooklyn or Boston. Uh, that series will be interesting. I like to say Brooklyn wins it, but the second half of the season for Boston has just been tremendous. They've been one of the best teams in basketball to finish off the season. Uh, they have a great defense. Um, they have Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart all playing at a high level. So it'll be a tough series. I would not be surprised if Boston comes out of that series and it goes like to game seven in Boston. So you never know. Um, so that... Even though Brooklyn or Boston, I think the Bucks get through them. And then on the other side of the bracket, we'll have the Heat, Sixers, Raptors. Um, Sixers, Raptors, that'll be an interesting series for sure. Uh, I don't know who comes out of that one. I, I like to say the Raptors do, uh, just the way Harden's been playing uh, in this tail end of the season. He doesn't look like the Harden we're used to. Houston, Harden, so... I don't know, maybe Embiid could put the team on their back, but you know Embiid against the Raptors, he doesn't fare too well. And in Miami, I think Miami will play the Sixers or the Raptors. Uh, and then I, that'll be another good series, but I think Miami might get over that one and we'll get Miami versus Milwaukee in, in the finals, in the Eastern Conference finals. Um, two teams that are quite familiar with each other. One knocked them out two, two years ago. And then Bucks came back, knocked out the Heat, uh, and they both went on to go to the finals. So that would be a very interesting Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but again, I think the Bucks make it out. Uh, and then going on to the West, I just I think it's I think it's straightforward in the West, really and truly. Um, not necessarily I, like it's hard to see. I seen a stat today that uh, when Clay, Steph, and Draymond uh, are playing. Uh, they're like 12-0 and 0 in winning series. So they're all healthy. Well, Steph's coming off an injury, so we'll see where his health is, his health level is. But it'll be Suns-Warriors either or, but I like the Suns coming out the West, and then we get a rematch to the NBA Finals. Last year, the Phoenix Suns against the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, that's that was very thorough, bro. So I'm going to try to match your uh, <clears throat> match your energy <laughs> on that one. So, I mean, for me, yeah, the series that I'm really watching, I'm going to start with the Eastern Conference side. So I'm looking at Philadelphia. I'm looking at Toronto. That one is a toss-up. It can go either way because on paper, yes, Philadelphia has a better record, but Toronto, I'll give them credit. They are pretty versatile defensively. Like, they have very lengthy players that can really bother the Sixers. Pause. And Embiid, yeah, for some reason... The Raptors are like his kryptonite. He really struggles against them. Mm-hmm. 
And Harden, he's like a box of chocolates. You don't know which one you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, you don't know if he's going to be Houston Harden or if he's going to be this new partying with rappers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what I'm interested to see. I do want to see Harden do well in the series, but... Then again, like you never really know with him, right? Like he's he's just his style of play has slowed down so much. Like he doesn't have that step back anymore. He doesn't really have the ability to get by players. Like he is very reliant on his ability to get to the free throw line, and like he might get the calls at home. He might not get the calls on the road, uh, and then his shooting has been pretty poor. Um, the last stretch of the games. So I'll give I'll give Philly I'll give them a very slight, slight edge mm-hmm. for only for three reasons. So one would be the refereeing, like you said, and beat and harden. I've never seen a tandem that mm-hmm. is able to get to the line as much as they've been able to get to the line. So I think especially going up against the Raptors, that can be a very that can be a very aggressive defensive team. Yeah. I can see that helping them out. Secondly, I'm gonna say the Raptors are pretty they have a very young core. Yeah. So I think the inexperience might be a factor. And the third thing I'll say is that they have home court advantage. So game seven, if it gets to a game seven, will be played in front of their home crowd. Right. So those three things I'll will make me give them a slight edge. But again, I could see the Raptors losing. I mean, I could see the Raptors winning that series, but I'll give Philly a slight, slight edge on that. Okay. Um, Milwaukee and Chicago, to be honest, I don't see that going past five games. Mm-hmm. If, that, if that. Um, I could see, you know, perhaps game one, you know, Milwaukee doesn't take them as seriously as they probably should. And then Chicago might kind of stun them a little bit. Mm-hmm. I can see and, that too. It might come down to like DeRozan maybe getting a couple of big shots in the fourth quarter to cut, and he's gonna do like you know that that posing, that grilling, that mean mug that he does, and then game two onwards, Milwaukee will just dominate them. So I could see that series playing out that way. A gentleman sweep. Yeah. Okay. And then I think, man, this Boston and Brooklyn, like I, I don't like that they're playing this early against Trust each me. other. Trust me. There's so much built up, you know, the Kyrie going back to Boston and all that. Like, And you know what it is? It's whoever loses, you have to blow the team up. Like, if Boston loses. You think so? You have to. Like, because if Boston, let's just no. say Boston. Like, okay, if Boston loses to Brooklyn, let's just say, right? Yeah. You were the second seed. It does not get any better than that. Like, yeah, yeah. you were in contention, right? And. The East is only going to get deeper from here. I don't think. I don't think it gets weaker from this point on. So, uh, you're you're right, but I I feel like uh, Boston has I guess that young team mentality. Like they still have Tatum's young, Brown's young, Marcus Smart is moderately young. You know, so I feel like they have like oh you know we're at a we're in a good we're at a good position. You know, we're knocking on the door. Like, I feel like they have that type of mindset. Or having a new coach as well, a young coach, I feel like his the coach also has that mindset of, like, oh, like, we started off the season poorly. We turned it around. And we, let's, let's go for it as far as we go. It is what it is. But I feel more so the pressure is on the Brooklyn because, like, 
what's their next steps with having yes they have the Ben Simmons thing which who knows if he plays reportedly he might play four four game four to six (laughs) or whatever (laughs) man so I don't know like it's it I feel like it's you have an old KD, you have an old Kyrie. Uh, you have a young piece in Ben Simmons. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like it's more so Brooklyn has to blow up what they have more so than Boston. Boston can just run it back and rebuild. Yeah. I, yeah, Brooklyn has to win this series, I think, because if they don't, then, yeah, the Kyrie and KD experiment, it just it didn't work. Exactly. Because... I mean, yeah, you can say, like, the injuries, and then you can say, you know, mandates, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like something has to give, right? And the reason why I'm saying it with Boston is because Boston was a team that they didn't have – they didn't have that traditional, like, losing season where they had to rebuild from scratch. Like, if you recall that that uh, 2018 when Jason Tatum was a rookie mm-hmm. – they made it to a conference finals. So ever since then, the expectation has always been like, you know, you guys kind of came along a lot quicker than it usually takes, right? Yeah. So from that point on, it's already been four years and there's really not much to show for it. True. So I agree with what you're saying in terms of like, you know, yeah, they're knocking on the door, they're coming. But in a league where it's all about winning now, winning now, I don't think they're going to be afforded that patience, especially especially an organization like Boston. So, so you're saying, yes, that's true. The the pressure of Boston sports is another factor. But you're saying this loss to Brooklyn leads to, we need to make a decision. Are we going yes. Jalen Brown or are we going Jason Tatum? I think they're going to go Jason Tatum. Yeah, of course. But I think what they'll do is like they'll use the fact that Jalen Brown is an all-star player, really. Yeah, and his, try to, his trade value is very high. Yeah. So to see what you can get back for him in the market, because you have to look at it. The way I'm looking at it is like this. Okay, they have, they're 51 and 31. They have the same record as the Bucks and the Sixers. Mm-hmm. On paper, if you just look at that tandem of Tatum and Brown with all the other pieces that they have on that team. Yeah. Now compare it to the tandem that you have in Milwaukee with Middleton and Giannis and the extra pieces that they have compared to the tandem of Harden and Embiid and then the pieces that they have. And then look at the tandem of KD and Kyrie and then look at all the external pieces that they have. So Mm -hmm. it matches up pretty well. Do you really think Tatum and Brown are really those guys, are those caliber of players, like like the ones I mentioned alongside of them? No. So... You made it to a second seed with that stiff competition in the East. Like, where could you possibly go from here? Like, I think if they lose this series, like, I think this is their plateau. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. But now let's, let's bring in a hypothetical situation into the scenario. Say they make a decision. They go with Jalen Brown, right? Trading him away. Does that make them a better team? Say, for example, they talk to the Lakers – and they, they they put together a package, Jalen Brown, who knows, Robert Williams, maybe some young assets, some draft picks, trade that for Anthony Davis. Now, does that make – is that the right thing to do for Boston? Does that make them a better team? Because if you're looking at training Jalen Brown, like what other piece is 
fits or will help them get to the next step looking at the free agency or looking at what's out there for teams? I wouldn't really look for the Lakers. Like, I don't know if Anthony Davis, like this season, I think hurt Anthony Davis's trade trade value, to be honest, because he's just not available enough. You know, like he's just, he's not there enough. Mm -hmm. I think if they were to look for trade partners, you would look at a team like Utah because there's talks about Rudy Gobert, right? Okay, okay. So you would look at a team like Utah, perhaps maybe see what kind of deal you can work out with them. I would potentially look at Chicago because I don't know about that nucleus of Levine, Levine, DeRozan. I feel like like that's just... Boston is 1A and then Chicago's 1B in their makeup of of the team. So, I mean... Would I do a deal where I do like a Jalen Brown for DeMar DeRozan or a Levine? <laughs> I would I would entertain no, something. No, like no, man. You wouldn't. You wouldn't because I'll put you in the same position that you currently are. I don't Actually, think yeah, probably. If you swap I, I think, Brown I think... or DeRozan, Brown or Levine, it makes Boston better. It makes them what Jalen Brown offers is just as good as what DeRozan Actually, and true. Levine offer. I think Brown's a better defender too. That is true, right? So, so I, I don't I mean, know. It, I it think might the be. This yeah. is good, and I just, they just need a build around it. Rudy Gobert would be amazing if they're able to keep Jalen Brown, Tatum, utilize Al Horford, some picks, some young players, and get a Rudy Gobert. That is the next step for Boston. That would be a good look for them, actually. Right. So I don't know. It'll be yeah. tough. But like you said, the playoffs are interesting because it creates another narrative. One player might not show up, so that's a story going into the offseason. And then you go from there, right? And looking back at last season, right? Ben Simmons doesn't show up. Look what that creates. This is what happens in the playoffs. The season and the playoffs are like two different... It's like like season one, now we're going into season two. Because the playoffs can create a whole different narrative. The season, the regular season provided one narrative. And now this playoffs can create a whole different one. Just from Kyrie not showing up or Katie not showing up. Giannis, maybe it was a fluke if he loses to the Bulls. Boston getting swept by Brooklyn. So many things can happen just off of these seven games. Or if it goes seven games. Yeah, but having said all that, I'm going to say Brooklyn wins the series in six against okay. Boston. Um, I think I think just the talent and the experience. Because um, at the end of the day, like Kyrie and Katie, they have championship pedigree. So they know how to get it done. They know how to close. Um, and I think they're just, they're just elite. <laughs> and then if they can somehow get Ben Simmons to come back for <laughs> <laughs> game what, four. So what do you think about the, the, the lamb wearing Ben Simmons? Like, wh- where are we at with him? Just because... to, just use them for defense at this point, like just like ball handling and defense. Like don't even you don't even have to worry about scoring. Like you have other guys that'll do that. That's true. He just needs to worry about ball handling and defending, and then That's I think true. everything will like take care of itself. Because what works for this team is that Katie and Kyrie can play off the ball just as well as they can play on the ball. Right. So that takes so much pressure off of Ben Simmons that he could literally just facilitate. So it's gonna be. E- easier for him to get back into the swing of things where he can get adjusted into the game. But Mm -hmm. with that being said, you're coming into playoff intensity. So Mm -hmm. mentally... And his back hurts, so... Yeah, apparently. So yeah, so (laughs) mentally, you can't... 
you can't have no lapses mentally, right? But I think I don't know. I'm hearing that he walks around practice like he's Jordan. Yeah, supposedly. Right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> but Jordan doesn't want to play in game one for some reason. <laughs> so, so, whatever that means, he's walking around like he's Jordan. So we'll see if the confidence is there, like the media is saying that it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I for Steve now, it's just nice to have that. I guess. That Joker in 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 his back pocket, no pun intended, um, <laughs> because now it's like, say Boston gets off to a two one lead, or maybe a three one lead. Now you bring Ben Simmons, it throws off the game plan of Boston of what works, what was working throughout the season might have to be adjusted. Uh, Brooklyn comes back three two. Now it's like panic mode because they have to close out three three and then win game seven. Right, so yeah. I feel so, like that's that's his like joker in the back pocket that that he has, right? So yeah, and this is uh, and this is what like what and this is where it gets interesting. So between Milwaukee, and Chicago, and Boston and Brooklyn, they'll meet in the if I if it goes away, I think it's gonna go in Brooklyn and Milwaukee advance. They're gonna meet in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. That one. That one is a toss-up, but I'm going to say I'm going to give Brooklyn the edge. I think they really nah, want that see, revenge. You're wilding, man. You're really wild. <laughs> I think I think they want that revenge because I'm not saying Giannis did it on purpose to take Kyrie out. Okay, but I don't think Giannis felt bad that it happened either. You know what I mean? Like I don't think he intentionally did it, but I don't think after he saw it happen, I don't think he felt like, ah, oh, shoot. <laughs> like, okay, okay. So I mean, because he knew in the back of his mind, like if. He, I knew deep. I know deep in Giannis's heart, in his heart of hearts, mm-hmm. as Skip as Skip would say, uh, yeah. undisputed. Yeah, that he knows if Kyrie was there, Milwaukee wouldn't have won that series last year because right. it's just how do you guard that, bro? Yeah, I I agree. I agree, but like, I just don't think they have enough right now with no Ben Simmons, with Seth Curry. He's fifty. He's like fifty percent right now. With no Joe Harris, like, I just don't think, like, if they have to rely on Bruce Brown to have a double-double or have 15 points or have six assists and stuff like that, like, it's going to be tough. Like, I don't, I don't think a better defensive team is going to let Bruce Brown contribute to the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. But... Like, Kyrie can have 35. KD can have 35. But that's not enough. With team basketball, Drew Holiday is a guy. Drew Holiday might have Kyrie in his back pocket. And this is where I think Ben Simmons would be an X factor now. And not even for what he can do offensively, but just being able to create those looks for a guy like Kyrie. Yeah. And that's the thing, because Brooklyn was was a decimated team last year too, mm-hmm. right? Like Harden was, I don't even think Harden, like Harden was. Harden had the hamstring injury. Yeah, yeah, so he was in and out the lineup. So it literally was just a matter of Kevin Durant's toes causing them to potentially win the series, right? So it was that yeah. close. So, I mean, that's why I'm saying, like, I can see, I can see Brooklyn, you know, getting that revenge and being hungry for it. Yeah. So I would probably say I have Brooklyn Philly Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. And then I, I could see Brooklyn coming out of the East. Brooklyn, Philly, conference finals. See, now yeah. you're, just, you're trying to put together a narrative. You're trying to get that. 
You're you're trying to do the NBA thing, the NFL thing, actually making these NFL films, these NBA <laughs> films, right? Like there's there's no way they we're getting Brooklyn Sixers Eastern Conference Finals. So it'd be amazing. It'd be like oh the uh, first take and undisputed would have a field day, but <laughs> ah, hey man, maybe you're right. I like it. I like it. Let's go with it. Let's go with that take. You have Brooklyn and the Sixers. I have Miami and the Bucks. So we have two rivalries, but we just see two different narratives. Yeah. Okay. I think the, you're right. The Sixers Brooklyn one does make a a more entertaining Easter Conference Finals just because so much of the story of this season. You know what, bro? I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah, with the whole trades and everything. Yeah, that would be. That's you what see, I'm saying. That would be actually amazing. I didn't even thought about it from that lens. I was just looking at it purely from a basketball perspective. But now that you're now that you're mentioning the storylines, bro, I would love to see that. <laughs> I would love to see that series. Well, even the NBA more can't spoil us like that, man. And then what after that's gonna be uh Brooklyn and the Warriors in the finals? <laughs> you know, I was I didn't make my way to the West, but overall, yes, I, I have the Warriors coming out of the West. Okay. Because I look at Phoenix, but but bro, like I don't know, Chris Paul. I don't rely on him. Mm-hmm. Like I don't look at him as even though they made it to the finals last year, I still don't really fully trust him to spearhead a team to a championship. And, and I don't, I don't think it matters. But I think Devin Booker is 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 at a next level. Like I feel, I feel like that championship run has Devin Booker. Like he 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 had a taste. And he he knows what it takes. You think so? I think Devin Booker is like is like Giannis B. He'll in for this playoffs. He'll be Giannis B. He'll be the second best player in the playoffs. That's my hot take. Okay, here's my hot take. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves already won the championships. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh my god! Thank but, God for the playing game. Yeah. I thought they honestly won the ring when I'm seeing the way they're celebrating. I'm like, man, these guys, that tells me everything I need to know. They're not I mean, it's, it's Pat Bev. We, we've seen the antics with the Clippers and the bubble. It's the same thing, man. Yeah. I, it's, it's a gift and a curse. And I, I think Memphis sweeps them. That's what I think, too. But I just want to see how Moran, like, because he's, he's only in his second season. How he handles right? it, eh? I want to yeah. see how he handles it. Like, I want to see, because throughout the regular season, he's shown that he can be that caliber of player like that yeah. superstar mvp caliber player yeah but i want to see if he has the poise to handle the nuisance that is pat beverly because pat beverly is going <laughs> to try to get under him he's going to try will. to injure him he's going to try to like land on him he's going to be in his landing like shooting space stuff like that and like john moran has to win the psych game because like when john moran's trying to fly and dunk like pat beverly's going to try to like slide under him and do all mm. that nonsense he's like pat bev will take a tech Pat Bev will take four fouls and just go on with his day. And you got right. and Pat Bev knows that it's it's seven games possibly that you have to deal with me. And I think Memphis, they need like they need an enforcer to just strictly just protect John Moran, like a veteran mm-hmm. enforcer. They have they have Stephen Adams, so yeah, so he needs to really be that guy to kind of like check if someone tries to come at John Morant like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, just to kind of get a little bit physical back, just to say, yeah. like, yo, that's like. But that's the thing with Memphis. Memphis is a, is a you know, they're a ride or die team. 
it's been like that in Memphis for, for the longest time now. And they still have those type of guys, Dylan Brooks, Bain, like Jaron Jackson. Like these are guys that are they're good at ride, you know? Yeah, they so, need to. Like they need to for, for Morant. They have to because it's like Morant, he can hold his own. I'm not saying that he can, but you know, every team has an enforcer. Someone mm-hmm. messed with Jordan, Oakley was right there, right? Exactly. So they need so Adams. I'm looking at Stephen Adams to kind of be that guy that when Pat when when Patrick Beverly kind of gets out of pocket, you check mm-hmm. him a little bit just to say you don't. That that's our like we're riding with Morant. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, but I feel like Memphis are a team that gets on these people's skin too, right? So it's like two teams that are both like dog dog yeah. teams. So it could work on in both. It'll be exciting. I like sure. that series. I really like that series. Yeah. Um, Golden State and Denver. I like that one too because it can go either way, but I. Actually, no, I'm sorry. It, won't, it can't go either way. I think Golden State <laughs> will win that one. I think it goes seven. You think it goes seven? I think it goes seven. I was going to say six. So, I mean, yeah, we're not too far off there. Right. Um, I think Phoenix, whoever they get in that first round, I mean, it's going to be a sweep, a gentleman sweep. You think sweep. so? You think that if they get the Clippers as a sweep? Yeah. Like, Clippers, they're a decimated team, bro. Like, and I don't, I don't think Paul George can be that guy in the playoffs. Like, I haven't seen him be it. I don't see Paul George suddenly elevating his game and, you know, squeezing squeezing a win out of a 64-win Suns team. Like, I, right. don't, I don't see I, him being I, I don't even think do Paul George is that locked in for this season. Like, he was off for so long that, like, he was supposed to sit out the whole season, but it was, just came to the point where it's been so long and he's healthy and the team's in playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So, and there's the rumors of Kawhi's health and all that, but it would just be one of those things where if the Clippers miraculously were to beat the Suns, then Kawhi will come back. It'll be one of those things. But if it's just like Suns dominate the Clippers, then that's the season. And if New Orleans somehow manages to make it to the eighth seed, I don't see them faring much better. So Mm -hmm. I think regardless of who Phoenix gets, that's going to be... Uh, that's going to be a, a very easy series for them. Yeah. Now, Dallas and Utah, that's going to be a dogfight. I could see it going either way. I but, want Dallas to win so Utah can blow up. But yeah, the Luka injury, if Luka didn't get injured, I really like Dallas to win that series. Yeah. And but honestly, now, bro, I, don't like, I don't understand why Jason could even have him playing in the final game of the season. Like It, made, it made no sense. And this yeah. is why you don't do it. Yeah. So I can, I have Utah coming out of that one. Yeah. Um, and then I think conference finals, we're going to see Warriors and Suns. But for some reason, every time Steph Curry and Chris Paul meet, Stephen Curry always cooks in. Yeah, it's food. He sees food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, so especially now with a finals appearance on the line mm-hmm. and then seeing as to how. Yeah, if the Warriors get that closer, <sighs> the Warriors get that close, ah, uh, man, I don't see. How they lose to be yeah. honest. So for my finals, yes, I have the Nets going up against the Warriors, and okay. this. So this is now Kevin Durant with his new homie Kyrie going up against his former guy Steph yeah. Curry and Draymond Green. Everything he wanted. Yeah. So this is this is I think going to be a showdown, and with that being said, I see the Nets winning a championship, bro. <laughs> ben Simmons gets his ring. He gets his ring, bro. This is this is Ain't a dream no come way, true bro. for him. Beat him quick. Bro. We'll see him beat next year. 
And you know, this is going to be a, a learning lesson for Joel Embiid and James Harden. That would be tragic for them. For James Harden, the lesson that he'll learn is that the grass is not greener on the other side and that he played himself. And then for Joel Embiid, it's like, you'll appreciate appreciate what you have. <laughs> because that would be disgusting. Because you're, te- you're saying that Nets knock out the Sixers and then go on to win. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Because Embiid will be going through some dark times. That would be very be. dark. He will be, and and honestly, I think, I think he's gonna have to. I don't even know if he can really change his approach because I mean he played at an MVP level this year. I just think they have to figure out how to build a better team around him because Ben Simmons was honestly a good fit for him, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, but it's just he wasn't patient with the guy. You shouldn't have thrown him under the bus, and I partially blame that. We talked about this on your podcast. I partially blame that on the coach. He should not. He shouldn't have done what he did. And also, too, the team should have brought a veteran leader yeah, to oversee that team and to kind of keep these guys in check. So, kind of like what they had with the Lakers when it was Shaq and Kobe. They always had a veteran, like older veterans that were there yeah. Yeah. to get in between Shaq and Kobe to help balance out their egos, right? Right. But they're so, two young guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're not even in their veteran stages. That's what I'm saying. And that's why the team should have had a veteran to like to be there with mm-hmm. Embiid and to be there with Simmons to kind of mitigate those things. You know what I mean? To mitigate their personalities. Right. But right. yeah, that's how I see it. I see Nets versus Warriors in the finals and I see Nets winning a championship. I say it takes them seven games to do it, but I think I think they're going to pull it off. I think KD and Kyrie are very hungry this year and I think they have a lot that they want to prove especially with everything that's been going on the whole season, all the chatter, all the off-court politics, if you know what I mean. So I yeah. think they're really, they really want to make a statement that we came here with a purpose and we're going to fulfill that purpose this year. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It'll be the narratives, the storylines, playoff basketball. It's always fun. Can't wait to get it started. It starts Saturday this weekend. It'll be uh, very exciting, man. Very exciting. And another topic I want to get into with you, right? Speaking Um, of rivalries. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) ASAP Rocky and Rihanna. Rihanna and ASAP Rocky. Oof. So I want to give you some background story of why I found this topic to be interesting. And then once I give you the background, I want you to give your take on it, okay? Yeah. So, I went to the barbershop, like, last week. You know how it goes, barbershop. The talks can go anywhere, right? For sure. So, this topic came up. And then some guy was basically talking about their relationship. And, like, yo, they actually seem happy together. They're a good fit. And Mm -hmm. I kind of, like, just, I I chuckled it off. Like, and the guy's like, well, you don't think so? Mm -hmm. And I said, do you really think she's with him because it's a genuine relationship? And he was like, yeah, they seem happy together. I'm like, no, no, no. I disagreed. And I'll explain later why I disagreed. But I just, but based on the conversation we're having, I was saying certain things. And then I can tell the guy was getting annoyed because he was not seeing where I was coming from. Right. And then a couple of days later, the story comes out that he was in, that Rihanna came out and said that he was in the friend zone for 10 years before he finally worked his way out of it, which I'm going to explain 
<laughs> after I get your thoughts on it. And then now there's this whole talk that they broke up. Yeah. So literally everything that I predicted in that barbershop, I, I saw it come to pass in a matter of 72 hours. Right. <laughs> so I kind of want to get your thoughts on that whole dynamic on, yeah. you know, the whole he worked his way out of the friend zone. And then now right. with this whole story that came out that they broke up. Well, I want to know your take. Well, I heard recently, uh, I don't know where I saw it or where it was said, but uh, it might have been the radio or something. But I heard that the whole Rihanna and ASAP thing came about recently or just over the pandemic. They were spending time over the pandemic and with Rihanna going through whatever she's going through as a woman, um, being in a pandemic, not being able to do what she can, ASAP was a person that she had a rapport with and that rapport grew because you're spending a lot of time with each other and you and when you spend a time with each other and you're stuck in four walls or doing whatever you're doing that could lead to a relationship right but that's temporary that's not something that might be they might be perfect but i feel like they were stuck in a honeymoon phase and that honeymoon phase led to a, a kid and led to all these pictures and, and it's asap like, he has a good image. It's Rihanna. She has the best image, you know? So what is perceived is going to be like, oh, yeah, they're, they're perfect for each other because that's how it's shot. That's how we're seeing. How, that's how it's showed to the public. To the public image, it's like, wow, they're the best couple, ASAP and, ASAP and Rihanna. Wow, look at them. Wow, someone finally knocked up uh, Rihanna, lucky guy, blah, 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 blah. But I would have to agree with you because I just – it's a temporary high. That's what it all is. And now that things are getting back to normal, ASAP is a, is a he's a bachelor. He's always been a bachelor. He's always been a player. He's always been a guy that gets a lot of women. And he's always been a guy that's addicted to, to sex. He's he's had his leaked sex tapes. He's had who knows, but he's had he's been involved with a lot of women that we know of that we don't know of as well. So as good as it may seem, knowing that it's ASAP, a handsome player that makes music, the rapper, the popular fashion guy, and Rihanna, and it seems like the perfect fit. Nothing, nothing is as it seems with these celebrities, as we've discussed multiple times. It's all a facade. And it being a temporary high is just what it is. And I'm surprised that they're breaking up just because of the fact that it's Rihanna, you know? You can't leave Rihanna. You get the chance to be with Rihanna and, and knock her up. Everything's off limits. Hang up the jersey. That's it. Curtain's closed. That's why I'm always surprised. But again, as we've seen with the Oscars, as we've seen with everything that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's transpired over these last two, three years, man, who knows? Anything can happen, man. Anything yeah. can happen with these celebrities. So it's, it is what it is. Yeah, there's parts that you said that I kind of agree with. So I'm going to give my take on it, right? And I know there's going to be some, like, women listeners, you know. Some don't backlash? Get a, Uh-oh, don't get canceled, man. Uh, yeah, so I just want to, like, I understand, you know, we're navigating some tricky waters. But I have to, similar to what I did in the, what I said in that barbershop, I'm going to mention it here because I think I'm going to bring the perspective or the lens I'm looking at it from. Okay. I want to kind of go back to the to that part where she said he was in the friend zone for 10 years and he worked his way out. Stop the cap. 
right? <laughs> like there is like no girl who likes a guy is going to wait 10 years to finally be with them. It doesn't happen that way. What I suspect happened, mm-hmm. right, is this was 2012, around 2013. Mm-hmm. He liked her. But Rihanna, you know, she was in her mid-20s, right? She was the hottest thing in the world. Like, she was at her peak in terms of, like, looks. Yeah, she, work- she had her relationships here and there, too. Yeah. The Drake, the, the billionaire. The- she was having fun. Like, yeah. She was, like, Drake. I think she was dabbling a little bit with Chris Brown at certain points. Like, you know, the billionaire, like Middle Eastern billionaire. And those are just people we know. There's probably people we don't know that. Like, yeah. she was just having her fun. Like, yeah. some women today like to do when they're at that age. They just want to have their fun. They want to just, you know, date around and do their thing, right? That's their business, right? And I think ASAP Rocky always liked her, but he just didn't match her in terms of status. Because mm-hmm. she was a global dominant superstar and asap rocky like he had his cult following and he was a star but he wasn't a drake like if we're being real mm-hmm. right so i think what happened is yeah he ended up being in the friend zone like it happens with a lot of guys that pedestalize these women and chase after them they end up in the friend zone <laughs> and then they go and have fun with the guys that they want to have fun with who are usually on their level or doing mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. right and I think that's what was happening there. And I think as she got a little bit older, she's like, you know, I kind of want to settle down and I, I want a family. Yeah. But because she's so successful, she can't really find a guy who's her equal or better at this point. Mm. If you think about it, like who's really it, like that we know of in the industry, who is someone that is on her level or better? It just had to be Drake. And she already tried that. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they're probably not compatible. He's probably, she's probably too savage for a guy like Drake. Or maybe just Drake didn't match her vibe. Who knows, right? Yeah, yeah. But the point is, she got older. She wanted to, I think, experience motherhood. Because it's like, I experienced all the success that this world has to offer. I want something different. I I think I know where you're going here, but I'll wait. So who's left? Mr. Friendzone, ASAP. He was still there. Right, she hit him with the "Hey, big head," mm-hmm. and then he jumped at the bait. Yeah, right. And then the whole pandemic happened, so they're spending a lot more time together. And then, hey, it happened, right? Because he was what was available. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna lie, the cheating thing—if it happened, if it's true—and she broke up with him for cheating. That I'm not really surprised because at the end of the day, he's a year younger than her, so mm-hmm. he's still in his prime. Right, because now he's peaked as a superstar. He's doing his thing in the fashion world. Like now, he's a household name. Well, every every woman is going to be chasing after him once you're you're attached to Rihanna. Exactly. The jealousy factors. Exactly. Yeah. And and now in like he's been proven that yo he can he can bag bad shorties because he has mm-hmm. a Rihanna right. So if a girl like Rihanna's with him, then that must mean there's something good. Of, exactly. So that must mean there's something good about him. So yeah. that makes him now more enticing to other girls, right? Yeah. So by him being linked to Rihanna, that kind of opened up a lot more options than he probably would have had before. And this is ASAP Rocky we're talking about. Yeah. So now a woman like Rihanna who thought, you know, this guy who I pulled up out of the friend zone, because he didn't work his way out of the friend zone. It's just you were looking, he was available when you were looking for it. Her plan kind of backfired on her a little bit 
Like, that's what I think happened, really and truly. Like, that's how I was, that's how I took it. That's what I was explaining to the guy at the barbershop. But I can tell he was getting a little bit annoyed by what I was saying. And he started saying, like, you know, Rihanna's a virtuous woman. So that to me was like, I had to leave the conversation after that. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I thought you were going to go with the idea of, because I feel like in society nowadays, and I might get killed for this as well, but. Women nowadays, and when you were speaking on motherhood and being ready to have a baby, and you'll see these celebrities say, oh, this baby's so cute. Cardi's baby, if you saw Cardi baby pictures that were just posted recently, like the, the son, um, and all the pictures that like Tam Taylor would post of, of Junie and all those babies, like, oh, they look so cute. Yeah, I just want one for myself, blah, 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 blah. But they won't even be in a relationship or, or married to someone, but they just want to have the baby not knowing what a baby means, right? So yeah. I was thinking that you were going to go with the approach of Rihanna's looking at ASAP and his features and what he brings, like him having the perfect teeth, the good skin, uh, and all that, knowing that having a kid with him would lead to a cute, perfect baby. That could also be a factor, too. Honestly, like, I didn't think about it, like, from that level of depth. But I definitely looked at it like he was the best option available for her right? at that stage of her life. So, yeah, that could definitely be a factor, too. She, she probably said, like, yeah, you know, this guy has certain features that he probably had certain features that she liked. And that also made her say, like, yeah, you know what? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have this guy's youth. Like, it's kind of strange. But, bro, like, unfortunately, like, and I'm not just going to get on a woman. I'm going to say I think this is a problem with both sides. Mm-hmm of the both sides of the spectrum with men and women is like, everyone's talking at each other, but no one really talks to each other. And I find that they're like on the woman's side, they don't respect men by default. Mm -hmm. They just kind of look at men as kind of like, like an asset of like, you know, what could you bring to me and what can you do for me kind of thing? A provider. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how I kind of think she was looking at it from that. I think she was kind of looking at it from that lens. Like for her, it's just like, I just want to have a kid, you know, who's available. And then, there he was swimming in the friend zone, you know. <laughs> and then she's like, hey, you know what? Let me pull this guy up. But she's going to make him think that, yo, he, he worked his way up. Yeah. But that really wasn't the case. A girl that truly likes a dude is not going to wait 10 years to be with him. <laughs> like, right. she won't even wait 10 days, bro. Like, she's going to make it known, like, that the interest is there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that's a common trend that we see a lot of times, like, you know, you often hear stories of guys say, like, oh, like, you know, back then she didn't want me. And then suddenly she does want me. Yeah, yeah. Back oh, then they didn't want me. Now I'm hot. They all over. Exactly. Mike Jones. <laughs> yeah, bro. And, yeah, so I think that's really what it is. And I think we saw a perfect example of that. And it's just crazy when I was telling that to the guy. He couldn't process what I was saying. But then literally in a matter of 72 hours, it all played out the way I was. I was just saying my opinion and how I interpreted it there. And then 72 hours, it literally played out like that. So it's, it's, it's interesting, bro. We'll see. Like, it's all allegations right now. Uh, yeah. Who knows if the celebrities, like, they're always competing for the spotlight. One day it's Kim and Kanye and Pete Davidson. Next day it's Jada and Will. Uh, next day it's Courtney. It's, you know what it is with the celebrities. Yeah. It's just how can they stay relevant? How can they... Uh, garner the spotlight and stuff like that so yeah you know what it is for me bro like I don't 
like I don't really care too much for these people, and I'm not someone who's really into the whole celebrity thing. But since it's so magnified in front of us, anyways, mm-hmm. I always try to look at it like, okay, based on these storylines and these narratives that are being pushed, what like what can we interpret from it? What can we learn from it that we can apply into everyday life? You know what I mean? So sometimes. I might bring up certain topics because I might see a certain narrative that I could draw a lesson from. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And see how different people view it and how one will respond to that situation. Exactly. It's very telling. Yeah, exactly. Because there could be a dude out there right now listening that probably used to like a girl and mm. then she used to give him no time a day. Yeah. Now you fast forward. And suddenly she hits him with the hey big head text. And right. it's like and he probably thinks like, oh wow, like she really wants me now. Like, yeah, that's 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 a that's a, that's a Friday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a Friday for a woman, man. <laughs> yeah, so it's like so that's why sometimes it's good to like kind of talk about these things, right? Because it's something that we have to be mindful of. And hey, you know what? I'm sure there's girls that probably get those hey big head, it's been a while text from toxic exes too. You know what I mean? Like so it's just it's good to kind of know these things to kind of put that information out there. Right. But I think we did a good job of navigating those waters without getting ourselves canceled, bro. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> you never know no, nowadays. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see. This last topic, we'll see. It could, uh, we're not quite done yet. So this last topic I want to get into is with uh, this Cam Newton interview that he did on Million Dollars Worth of Game. Yeah. He was basically just kind of talking about you know, gender roles in relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just so it doesn't seem like, you know, we're men that's just harping on women. You know, we can <laughs> we can talk about it on both sides. So what was your thoughts and your interpretation of like what he was saying? Like what was like what was your takeaway from it? So first thing, like I remember he he spoke on men as well. Like he didn't solely just speak on women because I know the thing with women he just said how women should be able to cook, right? And then he also think with men, he's like, men need to start acting like men, right? And that's very, you know, layered, right? Because there's, in modern day, like modern day men, they're into social media almost in a feminine sense because men nowadays could also be influencers in whatever they are influenced in, right? So his idea of men being men is like yes he wants men to be the old school traditional men in society you know less about i guess all the tiktoks and the social media and all that and just being about raising your children the right way and teaching them the right lessons to be a a better man and to grow to be a better man in society right so that's one thing uh with the men and then with the women, uh, I know he. I remember him discussing a cooking thing and the women being being able to cook. And if I don't have a woman that can cook, or I'm not able to teach my kids, or there's not a woman that can teach my kids how to cook and survive and be one that's a survival of the fittest, it's just not going to be something that works out for the long term. You know what I find so interesting. And you kind of touched on it, is that he was talking about men not being men and women not being women, right? Yeah. Is that everyone only latched onto the part where he talked about the women roles and no one really 
thought twice. So no one really cared about what he had to say. Yeah, because he spoke a lot aspect. about how he grew as a man and how he changed from what he was to what he is today and changing how he goes about raising his children as a man, right? So... Yeah, I think that's the part that I like that's missing in all this. Like, if you just like do a Google search of his name, everyone's just, oh, he the comments he made about women, the comments he made about women. No one yeah. seems to care about the comments he made about men, right? Yeah. Because, and we hear this a lot, but it has kind of become the reality that, you know, men are expected to be traditional masculine men. And mm-hmm. then with women, it's like, yeah, it's like there's no, there's no, they're not held to that same standard, right? And, what he was saying is that he grew up in a traditional household where yeah. he saw that dynamic. So this With is a guy... mother and his father, yeah. Correct, yeah. So this is a guy who's speaking from that lens, from that perspective, right? Now, let's just say, you know, you're someone that didn't really grow up with that kind of structure and you grew up in an environment where, you know, maybe it was a little chaotic. So you know now going forward in your life, that's not what you want for yourself. You want something that's more traditional, more structured, right? I think like kind of what I was saying earlier is like, you know, people are talking at each other and no one's talking to each other. Like no one has a problem if you're a a boss babe or you want to be a boss woman and do your thing. Like if you want to do that, cool, do that. Yeah. But just understand that not many men would necessarily necessarily find that attractive. Right. Right. If you're a woman and you see a guy who's a boss, who's ambitious, who's handling his business, you find that attractive because Mm -hmm. that's what attracts you as a woman. Right. But men and women, we're not the same in terms of what we're attracted to and what we like, right? <laughs> but it's just the attractions are just different and that is okay, right? Yeah. So I didn't really see the controversy of what he was saying, right? And I think the fact that he's coming out and saying it, he's taking a lot of heat from women mostly, if we're being honest, right? Mm-hmm. Or, as we as you usually do. Yeah. <laughs> and... The reality is he's saying it today, but I, I'm very confident that moving forward that you're going to see a lot more men of prominence sim- say similar comments and start speaking up like this. Because men, we do want to lead, right? Yeah. For the most part, men do want to lead. They do like to, we like to feel needed, right? Right, right. But, a lot, but back to what I was kind of saying earlier is that now we're just kind of, we're treated more like an accessory as opposed to a necessity. Mm. And I think both parties, men and women, are a necessity to a healthy functioning relationship, right? Right. And then they, a woman likes a man with direction and they like a man who can take leadership. Yeah. Right? A girl wouldn't want to come into a guy's car and he looks at her like, so what do you want to do? Like, you know what I mean? They but, don't want but, that. But the problem with that is, as sometimes it gets to the point where a man will do that, but then a woman will not want receive it appropriately, or it gets to the point where it comes across like it might trigger them in a sense. It's like now we're parenting them, now we're controlling their life. And I think it comes down to again, like a. I think it comes down to the the person that you're with, and I think it comes down to like the dialogue and the conversations that you have, right? Because I think. I think there's always a right way and a wrong way to do things, mm-hmm. personally, right? Like, and, it, yeah. and it varies. And it does person. vary. And yeah. it varies between the person. That's why, And that's why I say stop talking at each other and let's talk to each other. Mm-hmm. But as a man, you have to be clear on what you want. And a lot of people complain like, oh, the dating dynamics today are messed up, which it is. 
Yeah. But I'm not just going to sit here and blame the woman for it. I'm going to blame the men for it too because the reality is men are not being men today. Like he's right about that. Like guys don't want to be assertive. They don't want to be confident. Like they're they're very passive in today's yeah. society, yeah. right? You can't function that way. <laughs> like fortune, like they say fortune favors the bold, right? Like sometimes you have to be bold. But I understand at the same time why men are not always assertive like that because they're worried that like, okay, if I behave too masculine, I might be called toxic, right? Yeah. And then this is where I think that disconnect is. It's true. But I feel like at the end of the day, they, they say a lot of things, right? And I feel like there's a constant change in their mindset. And that comes through a lot of influence. And the influence is something that, that comes in and out from what they see, what they hear, the conversations they're having. That could change a woman's mindset within a week, a month, a year. Or a day, right? It's, it's true. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of guys are starting to like kind of adopt these behaviors too, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys are getting caught up like in that social media realm where they're yeah. now kind of taking on like these non-masculine behaviors, right? Like, like we're seeing men on TikTok get up and, and make their bed and wash <laughs> their face and brush their teeth and put on their lights in the background and play music and that those quick 15 second little like you know yeah feminine like, style videos yeah like hey sense. like i'm all for self-care right yeah like i believe in self-care like i think you have to take care of yourself but i also don't think that you have to publish everything that you do yeah like if you wear a face mask right just wear it yeah. but you don't have to be doing like doing a selfie on the camera and like you and, know doing yeah. face mask and like doing all these like challenges where sometimes you might throw on a wig like I, i'm not into that kind of stuff personally like that's not something i would do right and i know sometimes they got guys do it just to troll and be funny on social media but to me no that's that's not funny right like you're the, the, there's no comedy in that to me like right. to me it's like you're you're emasculating yourself for a cheap laugh mm-hmm. and then how so then how do you expect a woman to take you seriously as a masculine man if that's what you're doing right and then you know getting caught up like in the whole gossiping thing and like you know the jealousy and like a lot of the like feminine energy that's i think amongst men today i think that's something they like that needs to change so i agree with him on that aspect like men need to step up and become men right yeah true it's true i mean it's it'll be interesting like there's gonna be a lot of change especially coming out of pandemic like who do you want to be Right? Yeah, what yeah. changes are you gonna make? What habits are you gonna instill in yourself? And are you doing it for someone else? Are you doing it for yourself? And and, and that's the thing too. And I think when he was talking about the woman that can't cook, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm guessing that he probably had like um like some kind of like a church upbringing. So that's like the traditional. Like if you're someone that has like you know religious core values, yeah, then you know okay, like you understand these rules, right? But my thing is this, like, it also says that men have to provide too. So are you willing to provide? So, you know, if the woman is going to cook and she's going to do all these like feminine things that you expect them to do, quote unquote, mm-hmm. then are you going to do the manly things that's expected of you? Right. Right. So I think this is where I think men need to get real, where it's yeah. like you want a woman to be feminine. You want her to do all that. You want her to hold the house down. You want to be a traditional woman. Then you need to be that traditional man that warrants that yeah. right and i think if women want to attract a specific kind of man then you need to try to un- then you need to understand what it is that that man is looking for what he wants mm-hmm. and become that woman or adapt to become that woman right 
But that's only going to happen if both parties talk to each other instead of talking at each other. Because I see it on the internet, bro. I see guys say, like, no, you're the prize. Men are the prize. Mm-hmm. The same way you, you see women telling their friends, no, girl, you're the prize. Like, everyone, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's all these coping mechanisms. Instead of coping, just talk to each other and find that common ground and make something happen. <laughs> yeah, that's what Frank Vogel and Russell Westbrook showed it up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jordan, it's always uh, a pleasure having yeah, you. Yeah, this is a good one. This is a good one, yes. Yeah. What do you think? You think I'm going to get canceled after this one? Uh, I think you'll be good, man. I feel like we both said a lot of good things, and hopefully people will listen and self-reflect rather than point the finger. I think we're fair. I think we didn't come at the woman a certain way, and I, and I think we also made sure that we held the men accountable. Yeah, we're too. both to blame, okay? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it takes clear. two to tango. Takes two to tango. Both parties are at fault, okay? Yeah. Wire to wire podcast. Jordan, thank you for being on, bro. I appreciate Always it. Always brother. Take care, bro. Stay blessed. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to the Wire to Wire podcast. Be sure to share and subscribe. You can also check out all of my books, including my latest one, Quarantine Thoughts, available at all major retailers. You can also follow me on Instagram at Yusuf underscore A official. Until next time.